you have questions? Do you need answers? The Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by pastorstudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for The Pastor Study. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. You know, since probably most of us seeing this show grew up in America, we probably don't quite realize what a high-stress nation we live in. If you go to Mexico on vacation, at 1 o'clock, everything closes till about 4 o'clock. Manana, senor. And they take siestas in Mexico. We don't do that in America. In America, instead, we work, 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 work. We have broken marriages. We have ulcers. We have uh, neglected children. We have nervous breakdowns because we're so in distress. And we're a very wealthy nation, but we're very stressed. And maybe you're watching this program, and right now you're under a lot of stress. Here's the question for this half hour. What would Jesus have me do with my stress? What we're going to do is look at Jesus' most stressful night, Maundy Thursday, the night before he died. I think you can argue pretty safely, Jesus had his most stressful, worst day on earth, Maundy Thursday night. Let's look and see what did Jesus do with his stress, and that'll teach us what to do if you're going through it right now. So would you take out a Bible, turn in the New Testament to Mark chapter 14, and let's learn from Jesus how to handle stress. Let's pray first. Father, we do want to pray for anyone who is anxious right now or hurting or fearful that, Lord Jesus, from you we will learn now how to handle stress. Teach us, Holy Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 14. It's Maundy Thursday night. Jesus knows he will suffer and die the next day. They've just had the Last Supper. And here's what we learn, Mark chapter 14, verse 26. And when they, Jesus and the disciples, had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. First way to handle with stress, worship when you're depressed. It's Jesus and his disciples' worst night on earth. In the midst of the depression, what do they do? They sing a hymn. <laughs> you know, I will tell you. This week, I saw one of the sweetest movies I've ever seen from 1952 called Member of the Wedding. Do you remember Ethel Waters? She was the old black woman that used to sing on the Billy Graham Crusades all the time. And in the film, she's got a young woman, a young girl, Julie Christie, on one of her shoulders. And on the other shoulder is a young uh, Brandon Wild, the little boy in the show. And they're going through an awful time. And Ethel Waters starts to sing... Why should I be discouraged? Why should the shadows come when Jesus is my portion? My constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And she just rocks those kids back and forth. It's a sweet scene. And what do you do when you're depressed? 
What did Jesus and the disciples do when they were depressed? They sung a hymn. <laughs> and so what I want to encourage you to do is this. Next time you're depressed or anxious, sing a hymn. Uh, if you don't have a hymn book in your house, go to the Christian bookstore, buy a Christian hymn book, and just sit and sing a little bit when you're depressed. And if you can't sing or don't like singing, read the words of a hymn out loud. Uh, I love this one. Come ye disconsolate, where'er ye languish, come to the mercy seat, fervently kneel. Here bring your wounded hearts, here tell your anguish. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. And just, when I get depressed, it's great to sing a hymn. You know, another thing I, I was told to do by an old pastor, when you're depressed, get out the Old Testament, turn to the book of Psalms, and just read a psalm out loud. Or I've got a buddy that struggles with depression. What he does when he's depressed, he lays on his bed, turns on the Christian music, and he listens to Christmas Christian worship music. But what one, the number one thing the disciples of Jesus did, they sang when they were depressed. <laughs> Let's look at verse 27. And Jesus said to the disciples, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. Jesus said to Peter, Truly I say to you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter emphatically said, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And then you know what happened. Peter and all the disciples blew it and ran. Here's the next way to cope with stress. Number one, worship. But number two, don't expect too much of people. <laughs> if you expect too much of people, that'll cause you anxiety. Jesus knew these disciples were going to blow it. He stayed with them anyway. And, and sometimes you hear people say, well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I won't spend time with that person anymore because they hurt my feelings. And they write off people. And, you know, haven't you ever hurt somebody's feelings? <laughs> Jesus teaches us to forgive other people when they sin against us and to stay with them. I, I will tell you what I thought of. My mom's best friend was Noreen. They lived behind us, and Noreen's husband would beat her up, and she would run to our house for protection. And Mom and Noreen got to be very close. Noreen eventually got divorced, but all through my mom's life, her closest friend was Noreen. And when Noreen moved to Hawaii, they would still call each other long distance. Well, one day my mom said something on the phone that offended Noreen. And so my mom called back, and she apologized to Noreen, and Noreen hung up on her. And Noreen refused to talk to my mom the rest of, of her life. And when my mom was dying, and Noreen knew she was dying, she still wouldn't talk to my mom. And I thought, that is so sad. And you know what Jesus teaches us at Gethsemane? He knew his disciples were going to blow it. He forgave them anyway, and he still stayed with them. Second thing you do to protect yourself from stress don't expect too much of other people or you'll get stressed. <laughs> Forgive people. Next way to deal with stress, verse 32. And then they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him 
Peter and James and John, those were his three closest disciples, and he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. Number one, you worship. Number two, don't expect too much of humans. But number three, way to, to deal with stress, surround yourself with your closest friends. Uh, when, when you are tempted, uh, with, if you're going through an awful time, the temptation is to go alone into your bedroom, pull the covers over your head, and just turn the world off. That's not the way Jesus handled stress. What you need to do is force yourself to get around your closest friends and be with people. That's therapeutic. Verse 34, and Jesus said to the disciples, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. Here's the next thing Jesus did to handle stress. He worshiped, he got around his disciples, but then notice what he does. Announce your feelings. Jesus says, I'm so depressed I could die. He got it out. I think women tend to be better at this than men. Men really tend to not talk about their feelings, and that's why men get messed up. <laughs> but I, I saw a documentary on TV a while ago. Here are about 30 prisoners sitting around a circle, and the counselor says to these grown, big, scary men, tell me about your dad, and you should have seen these men weep like babies, and they were finally getting out some of their hurts that they grew up with. That's therapeutic. You know, every Christian needs a prayer partner. Every Christian needs one Christian in their life that they can talk to about their feelings. It's therapeutic, and it might save you $150 an hour on a psychiatrist's couch. <laughs> I, I will tell you, I, I'm very nostalgic. So now and then I go home to Nebraska where I was raised. And I have a friend that I've known since she was eight years old. Her name's Karen. We grew up together. And now and then when I go home uh, to Nebraska, Karen and I will get in the car and we'll go walk through our old grade school and then our junior high and our high school. We were doing this a while ago. And we're driving by Carol's house. Carol and Karen and I have known each other since we were about eight years old. But in recent years, Carol just won't have much to do with us. And we're driving by Carol's house, and here's an old man standing on the lawn. And I rolled down my window, I said, say, you're not Mr. So-and-so, are you? And he said, why, as a matter of fact, I am. And I thought he was dead. This was Carol's dad. He was so thrilled to see Karen and I. Come in the house, my wife will love to see you. And we went in and we talked and we just had a wonderful time. But then Carol's, uh, Carol's mom says, Karen, call, call Carol. And so we went back in the car, and Karen and I called Carol, and Carol said, you know, Karen, let's have lunch. My life is falling apart. And I hope that Carol will start opening up again and letting her friends be her friends. But you got, what, what, what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, when you are hurt by your friends, when, when you're hurt by life, don't isolate yourself. That'll worsen the problem. Jesus got around his friends when he was in trouble. Look at verse 35. And going a little farther, Jesus fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour of his death, the hour might pass from him. Here's the biggest way to handle stress. Pray. Abraham Lincoln said, quote, I have often been driven to my knees in the certain conviction that I had nowhere else to go. Your biggest asset when you're going through an awful time is to get alone like Jesus did 
and pray. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I'll tell you what I like to do when I'm depressed or stressed out. I like to get on my knees and I like to pray with my hands like this. And I will pray, Lord, I give you this problem. And I'll visualize putting that up. And Lord, I give you this problem. And here's all these problems. Thank you for these problems. You promised Romans 8.28 to use these problems for my good. But now, God, I give them to you. And I visualize God's hands coming down out of heaven, picking all that stuff up, taking it through back through the clouds. And then I put turn my palms down empty, and I lower them. It's called casting all your cares upon him. We're told in, in, in 1 Peter, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Prayer is your biggest, most powerful tool when battling anxiety. And, you know, let me just say this. You know, the superstar singer Whitney Houston died a while ago. And can I tell you what happened that day she died? A few hours before she died, I don't know why, I was praying for Whitney Houston. Now, now why the, I mean, I was just, I, I don't know I, how often do you, I pray for Whitney Houston, pretty much almost never, but I prayed for her and her family. And then a few, years, a few hours later, she died and it was on the national news. And I'm thinking, oh, that was different. And you know what I think? Prayer is supernatural. When you're praying for yourself or for others, Stuff is going on that only the Lord knows about. So take advantage of prayer. It does more than you think, not less than you think. Look at verse 36. And Jesus said, Abba, which means Daddy, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, his death. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Here's the next way of handling stress. Submit to God's will. Jesus was stressed out, but he knew, God, okay, even if I had to suffer, I'm just going to submit to your will, and he was more peaceful. Sometimes the reason you and I are stressed is because we're doing something the Lord never told us to do. I will tell you, when I was driving around Nebraska with my friend Karen, she's a real sharp gal. She's the president of her Lutheran church in Nebraska. And she was telling me about the trouble she was having with her ornery pastor and how she's having to confront her pastor on things. And man, did she have stress. And finally I said, Karen, <laughs> you know, it's fine for women to be deacons in the church, but the elders of the church, the leaders of the church, according to the New Testament, are supposed to be men. And I said, Karen, do you know who should be dealing with your ornery pastor? The men of your church should be dealing with them. You shouldn't have to do that. And I encouraged her to step down from the board of elders, be a deacon in the church, but don't be an elder of the church. I don't know that she'll do that. But, you know, I, I think I was saying, sometimes when you're doing something the Lord never called you to do, you can get stress. Look at verse 37. And Jesus came and found the disciples sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, Jesus went away and prayed, saying the same words. Here's the next way to handle stress. When you have an anxiety attack, give it a prayer attack. I think three times anxiety comes at Jesus, and so three times he goes back in that garden and prays again. I mean, have you ever had this experience? You get anxious about something. 
And so you pray. And then five minutes later, you're anxious again, so you pray again. And then a, a little bit later, you're, you're thinking about it again, so you pray again. And I think that's healthy. When, when Jesus had an anxiety attack, he gave it a prayer attack. Bible tells us to do this. Philippians chapter 4, have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, pray. <laughs> Verse 40, and again Jesus came and found the disciples sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And Judas comes in the garden with the soldiers. But Jesus is at peace. You can tell by his words. He's not fighting this. Here's the next, next way to handle stress. Accept suffering when necessary. Jesus knew the cup, his suffering for our sins, had to get done if we were to, we were to be saved. So Jesus accepts the suffering and says, okay, ready to go. I think sometimes the reason you and I are stressed is because there's an area where God wants us to suffer and we're not willing to embrace it. You know, every Christian has a cross. We're not supposed to run from our cross. We're supposed to embrace our cross. And if you try to run from it, you'll get stress. Let me say this kind of loud and clear. Christian, sometimes God wants you to suffer. I know there are lots of TV preachers, health and wealth preachers, prosperity preachers that teach all suffering is the devil. All disease is of the devil. God doesn't want you sick. God doesn't want you to suffer. You're, you're, and, and, and I'm thinking, what New Testament do they read? <laughs> Let's ask the question, was it God's will for Jesus to suffer? The answer is, of course it was. It was the reason he came to earth. I mean, I'll tell you this. Years ago, I go to a Presbyterian church one night, and the, the preacher is preaching on, on the cross. And this Presbyterian, and Presbyterians are supposed to believe in predestination. The Presbyterian says, well, we know that when God sent Jesus to earth, it wasn't God's will for his son to be tortured and crucified on the cross. And after the church service, I, I privately, politely talked to the pastor. I said, what do you mean it wasn't God's will? Acts chapter 2, verse 23, this Jesus was delivered up to death according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Was suffering God's will for Jesus? Of course it was. If he didn't suffer, we wouldn't be saved right now. And Christian, sometimes it is God's will for us to suffer. It's good for his glory. It's good for us sometimes to suffer. So uh, beware of TV preachers that tell you that all suffering is of the devil. No, it isn't. I will t I t tell you this, something that happened a while ago. Um, we had a radio show, and we were doing our radio show at the state fair here in Minnesota. And I wasn't yelling. I, wasn't, I was being as kind and gentle as I could. But I was saying that abortion is wrong, that homosexual behavior is wrong, that you shouldn't have sex outside of marriage, fornication is wrong. And the crowd starts booing me. And at a different time, this woman comes up during the commercial, shame on you, Pastor Brock, just starts yelling at me. And I kept trying to say, shame on me for what? You want to explain? I don't know what her problem is. I'm guessing she had an abortion. But I kind of got a lot of abuse that day. But you know what I thought driving home? 
I was doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing. And sometimes, Christian, we suffer not because we did anything wrong, but because we did something right. <laughs> so my point is, one, one way to handle stress is to just say, God, all right, I'm not going to fight the cross that you give me. I'm going to be willing to suffer for you. And that'll put you at peace, believe it or not. Well, one last way to handle stress, and this is not in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's not Mark chapter 6, but it's from Mark, uh, excuse me, it's not from Gethsemane. It's from Mark chapter 6 where it says this. The apostles returned from preaching and healing to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And Jesus said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Here, here is the last point today. And again, it's not in, in, in Mark there. It is in Mark chapter 6. Last way to handle stress. Remember the Sabbath and take your vacations. The disciples needed a vacation in Mark chapter 6. So Jesus says, come away from the crowd. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Do you observe the Sabbath in your life? The word Sabbath means rest. In other words, do you have one day a week when you don't work? If you work every day of the week, you're stressing yourself, you're hurting your health, you're hurting your family, you're probably killing your relationship with God. Take one day a week when you rest. A friend of mine was telling me this week that this summer, a, a, a bunch of Mexicans put a new roof on his house. And he said, you should have seen these men. They were such hard workers. A lot of them on his roof got it all done in one day. And, and he said, I went out and I, one of them spoke English. And I said to these, these hardworking Mexicans, how many days a week do you work? And the man said, um, we work six days a week, but Sunday is for church and family. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't it be nice if Americans did that? Listen, um, everybody, I want to encourage you, you take one day a week where you don't work, where you spend it with God, where you spend it with your family, that'll do more to help your health, help your spirit, and help your family life than anything. I will tell you, I've been a pastor for uh, about 33 years now, and a lot of pastors, sadly, after two or three years, they burn out and they quit. Can I tell you what helped me keep going? <laughs> An old pastor told me when I was starting out, he said, Tom, you need one hour alone with the Lord every day or you'll burn out. So I try to spend one hour a day praying, reading the Bible, etc. But then he said this, and you have to work on Sunday, so your day off is Thursday. I don't want to see your foot in this church on Thursday. You stay away from your job and you be with the Lord, you rest, relax, whatever, but take your Sabbath. I want to encourage you, if you don't have a Sabbath, take whatever day you can take off, one day a week, spend it with God, with your family, but that would heal you more than you know. All right. Let's, let's put it all together. Let's say you're going through stress. Well, what should I do? What did Jesus do? Number one, worship when you get depressed. Get a hymn book, sing a hymn, but when you're depressed, be at the waters and sing His Eye is on the Sparrow or something. And number two, when you get, to get stressed out, don't expect too much of human beings. That can cause stress. You know they'll let you down, but forgive them. And then the third thing to do, surround yourself with your friends and then do what Jesus did. Tell them what you're feeling. Get your feelings out. Every Christian needs a prayer partner where you can do that. And then just submit to God's will. Do what he's telling you. 
Uh, when you have an anxiety attack, give it a continual prayer attack, and then accept suffering when necessary. Sometimes God wants us to go through suffering. And then the last thing, do you take your vacations? Do you take your weekly Sabbath? That is what God has put in our lives that is going to help us be healthy and happy and not such stressed out Americans. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, um, you said about praying when you're stressed mm -hmm. and that. Prayer helps, but I don't know, you still find yourself worrying yes. after you've prayed. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to keep that anxiety away? Well, you know, Jackie, I, uh, I tend to be kind of a nervous person, and I get, I get way too anxious. And anxiety is a sin. Philippians 4, have no anxiety, but pray. So here's the deal. Uh, I have to pray. Does that mean the anxiety goes for good? No, because five minutes later, I have to pray for the same thing. But I do find if I have a Christian I can talk with about it, and rather than just pray by myself and try to get over my problem, if I can find a Christian prayer partner, that helps me to have somebody once a week that I can pray with about my anxiety. And, and so that's what I would encourage. Well, sharing your anxieties with somebody makes, gets you a different viewpoint too sometimes. It sure does. Okay, what about if you're having trouble forgiving a certain person? And that can cause a lot of stress yes. and anxiety. Yeah. What would be your advice? I, I would say um, you have no choice. You have to forgive that person. And then I would say you, you pray it. And Lord, I forgive that person for what they did in Jesus' name. But Jackie, if you still feel not happy thoughts for that person, that doesn't mean you haven't forgiven them. You know, we can't control our feelings or our thoughts a lot of time. But I would say in prayer, forgive the person if, if it keeps coming back. Keep saying, Lord, remember, I do in your strength and power, because I can't do this on my own. But in your strength and power, Lord, I still forgive that person. And then again, if you need to talk to somebody about it, that helps. Do you tell that person you've forgiven them? Uh, sometimes you do, and sometimes you don't. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You said to accept suffering when necessary, but don't some churches teach that suffering and sickness are actually from the devil? Yeah, they do, and they're wrong, Jackie. I mean, some sickness is from the devil. Uh, in Luke, uh, the, the lady's bent over for 18 years. Jesus said Satan has bound her. But other times, sickness is not from the devil. Read, is it John chapter 9 or 10? Who sinned? This man or his parents that he's born blind. Jesus said nobody sinned. This is for the glory of God, and he healed him. So some suffering is from the devil, but even, even that God is, can overrule. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you for being with us this week. We want to thank you for your past support that we are now... Uh, maybe you're watching for the first time on a different state. We're doing this in Minneapolis. And we pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're all together again next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Pastor Study. We ask, would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry? Our address is The Pastor Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55430. Our website is 
pastorstudy.org. And our phone number is 763-260-4484. May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's Word. Until then, may the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you.